If you're a first or second time guest with us this morning or watching us on Facebook, we're really glad that you're here and watching. Uh, we're continuing our discussion on finding my purpose, and that's important because the number one question, the number one question people said that they would ask God if they had a chance to ask God a question is, why am I here? Not, can I have more money? Or can you help me never to get fired from my job? Or can you find me the perfect spouse? It was, why am I here? Can you imagine that? That's the number one question when they did a survey. You know why? Because everyone, everyone wonders about the purpose of life. Everyone does. So I hope that you're going to be blessed by being with us today. I really hope, and what we hope, and what our goal is every Sunday morning is not to just do another church service. Our goal is that you experience Jesus. You don't just experience church, but you experience Jesus. We hope that your life is transformed today. So last week was pretty awesome with Alan. I know a lot of people were really moved and touched and their lives were transformed and changed. But the last time we talked, the last time I was up here, we talked about the five keys to spiritual success and prosperity. Who can quote them for me? <laughs> Stop looking for your notes, Jeannie. Five keys to spiritual success and prosperity from Joshua chapter 1. Number one, remember what God has done for you in the past. Those of you that, are, that we prayed for this morning, God has already seen you through worse times. He's going to see you through this if you don't give up. Number two, have the proper attitudes. Uh-oh. Number three, know your specific assignment. By the way, number two is the one that I'm working out right now. The proper attitude, regardless of my life, regardless of circumstances. Number three, know your specific assignment. And then use the Word of God, number four, as your plan of action. This is your plan of action. That's why we have to read it and know it and breathe it and chew it. Number five, never face an assignment. You never face an assignment alone. God is always with you. Okay? Now, we started out this series by talking about chasing rabbits. Remember the greyhound races, the mechanical rabbit that goes around the track? Remember we talked about that? Remember that one day that mechanical rabbit in Kentucky blew up and all the dogs were confused, right? They didn't know what to do. They were running into walls. They were chasing their tails. Some of them started howling at the crowd. Some of them just sat down and quit. This sounds like people we know, sometimes maybe even ourselves, right? Just like the dogs in our uh, illustration, sometimes in life, our plans don't work out. Sometimes something just blows up and everything comes to an end, yeah. right? What we thought was going to happen didn't happen. And I contended during that sermon, I like using that word, that's my word of the month for two months now, I contended that the rabbits that you are to pursue and hunger for in this life are the fruits of the Spirit. Do you remember that? So we listed the fruits of the Spirit. We gave them to you as a finding my purpose to-do list. I wonder how many people actually hung it up on a mirror somewhere to make it their goal to be, have love every day, to have peace, to have gentleness, to have kindness, to have patience, long-suffering, long-suffering, and I love the last one because I wonder if they saved the last for best. And I'm not saying I said them all because I don't know if I did, but uh, self-control. I don't know how you can do any of those without self-control. 
How can you have love without self-control? How can you have peace without self-control? How can you have patience without self-control? Right? How can you have kindness and goodness without self-control? How can you be faithful without self-control? Gentle. I don't believe you can. Now, I told you then during that sermon that I wanted to help you to learn what it means to bear those fruits for Jesus in your life. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Because if you remember from Scripture, if you remember in your notes, Jesus said that you can judge the quality of a person's spiritual life by the fruit it produces. Let me repeat that. Jesus said, not Mark Lutcher, Jesus said that you can judge the quality of a person's spiritual life by the fruit their life produces. We really need to learn this, by the way. I, I want, I, we're going to say it again, okay? Um, we're going to say it in a different way. We're going to personalize it. But I want you to think of it, when I say this again, I want you to think about it for your own life, not someone else's life. Because we're really good at thinking of someone else when we read something like that. Oh, man, my sister Becky, she really needs this. Oh, my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter. Oh, man, they're... Pfft, no fruit. But what about us? Jesus said that you can judge the quality of a person's spiritual life by the fruit it produces. We need to worry about our own fruit, not other people's fruit. We need to worry about our own fruit. Let me repeat that. We need to worry about our own fruit. So we're going to personalize it. And if you're willing to, I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus said, I can tell a lot about the quality of my spiritual life by the fruit it produces. Wow. Can you imagine if we lived every day with that as our purpose statement for our lives? I have said over and over again that Todd White talks about the roller coaster Christian life. You know how, if you've ever seen him live or watched his videos, he talks about the roller coaster life of a Christian. And he believes that the Christian life should not look like this. He believes it should look like this. Not like this, one day happy, next day angry, one day joy, and then next day depression. One day God loves me, because you all know what I'm talking about, because I just went through this a couple weeks ago. One day God loves me, and the next day God doesn't care about me because I lost my job. A lot of people define the Christian life that way. Falling down, getting back up, falling down, getting back up all the way to heaven. And to some extent, it's true that you will fall at times. But what if Todd White is onto something? What if the Christian life is actually supposed to be constantly, gradually growing, maybe a little setback, growing up with very little valleys and very little dips all the way to heaven? What if this is what the world needs to see instead of this? See, this is not getting me anywhere. I'm not going to hell, but I'm also not really doing much for my reward in heaven. I'm just kind of doing this. What if we started living like this? Little setback, lost my job, failed in my trust area, but I got back on track. And I remembered that God supplies all my needs. And if he supplies food for the birds every day of their life, and he cares more about me, then I don't have to worry about tomorrow. 
what if I actually believed what I read? What what if I actually believed the Word of God? My life would start looking like this. Here's what I'm convinced of. Some of us love this. We love it. You know why? Because it gives us attention. This is when everybody starts calling us and everybody starts, you know, oh, poor Ashley, she's struggling again. And they hug me a lot at church when I come in crying. Not that it's bad to come in church crying, because it is. But sometimes we love this and we like to stay here. And we like to lick our wounds and we like the pity party. We like everybody because all of a sudden now I have friends. And I don't know if I want to come back up here. Because then the pastor asks me to do something when I'm doing well spiritually and I'm on fire for God. Hello? It's because you have a purpose for your life. Why wouldn't I? I want to be surrounded with Christians who are on fire for God. Doesn't mean you won't go through some valleys. You will. But you should be in the valley a lot less time. So it's a lot less. It's a lot less. It's a lot less. It's a lot less. And pretty soon you're just soaring. You lose your job and you go, well, they're lost. They just lost a good Christian man full of joy. Their loss. God will have something for me. I just want you to think about this. What if a Christians, what if Christians are not supposed to be just coasting through life, but actually living productive lives for Jesus? I want you to put that in your notes. That's such a good word. Christians are not supposed to coast through life. Let me repeat that. Christians are not supposed to coast through life. What does that look like? You hear me say it all the time. You wake up, you feed the kids breakfast, you send them to school, you go to work, you come home, you make supper, you pay your bills, you go to sleep, and you start it all over again. That's coasting, folks. Christians are supposed to live productive lives for Christ on earth. You still do those things, But are they productive for the kingdom of God? That's the question. Remember our sermon about uh, Christians, how they need to fight against sameness? Remember the children of Israel? They were getting miracle after miracle after miracle, and they got bored with it. They got bored with the routine. So you need to know this morning, life is more than just being married. Life is more than just going to work. It's more than paying bills. It's more than yelling at the kids. It's more than eating. It's more than sleeping. And then just doing it all over and over again. I want you to be blessed by Todd White's White's opinion on this since we talked about him. How we're not supposed to live a roller coaster Christian life. I believe we're headed for the church in an awakening. Waking up to her created value and her purpose on this earth. Examine if your life is just a confession to Jesus or if it's a life lived under the King. Jesus says that He has given us this opportunity that the grace of God comes and it's not just for one, it's for anybody who would say yes to Jesus. He comes in to knock out the walls and make you a brand new man, one that never existed before. Christians are supposed to be known as ambassadors of hope, of soldiers of the cross, where we carry something different that the world is looking for. And when they come to us and ask us, we just give them the relationship that we have. The opportunity is on the earth, man. What are we doing with it? We have 
to step up and see who we are so we can see others for who they really are. I'm shouting from the rooftops, man. I'm tired of watching people be fathered by lies. And when he comes and makes his hope in you, you have the full knowledge of him. It's in you. The capacity is endless. But that's not just for me, that's for everybody. You don't need me to pray for you. You need to have relationship with Jesus so that you can see the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in Todd, dwells in you. It's about surrendering your life back to Him, having God come and fill you, flow for you, and touch the world around you. It's about the Christian that has gotten born again, refathered by the best dad in the whole world. It's about walking capable of destroying hell for a living in every situation. It's about knowing the will of God in every situation all the time. Jesus paid a price for us to enter into this amazing intimacy with God. Your real need is knowing Him. None of your stuff, none of your cars can give you peace. Only Jesus, the Prince of Peace, can give you peace. Only relationship and constant communion and fellowship with the mighty Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that gives it to you. We say that Jesus is Lord, but our TV becomes God too. You have your relationship that stands before God. You have your kids that stand before God. And you can't afford to let your children determine whether you have a relationship with God or not. We said, well, I don't have enough time in the day. We have enough time to watch a three-hour television spat at night. We have enough time to sit on Facebook for two hours, to talk on the phone about needless nothing. You have enough time to text text messages of 5,000 texts a month that mean nothing, but we don't have enough time to spend before God for 10 minutes saying, my God, show me who you've created me to be because I want to be what you say I am. Want to know why Todd is so passionate about every Christian living with purpose and living productive lives? Want to know why he's so passionate about it? Because God is. Because Jesus is. How do we know Jesus was passionate about it? Jesus was so passionate about it that he showed us how to do it. He showed us how to live with purpose. He knew his purpose. Can you imagine your purpose being that? How would you have responded when you found out they were going to nail nails in your hands and in your feet, spit on you, drag you through the city, shame you, and then lift you up 
to show you off and shame you to the world? Listen, I want you to listen closely. Jesus did not die for you so that you could argue on Facebook about things that really don't matter. Jesus didn't die for you so that you could waste half of your life playing video games or watching TV or on your cell phone. This is convicting. It's convicting to me. He died so that you could bear the same fruit that he did on planet Earth. What did he say before he left? You will do much more than I did. Are you? Ooh, wow. I'm pointing right at me. Are you? Look at three fingers right back at me. Are you, Mark Lutcher? Are you doing more than what Jesus did? Are you raising people from the dead? Are you healing the blind and the lame? You know what's really cool about the fruit that we get to produce under the power of Jesus? Here's what's really cool. What do you know about fruit? All right now, I got to go home today because I got some fruit that's doing this. This fruit that we're talking about lasts for eternity. What are we talking about? Souls. Right? People. Bringing people into a relationship with God. And here's what's so cool about what Jesus did by fulfilling his purpose. His purpose. He died so that you don't even have to worry about your sin. And yet some of you are just, oh, I can't believe I messed up. I, I, it's so bad that some people aren't even in church this morning because of it. Basically, they're saying Jesus wasted his time on the cross because I can't even, I'm not even worthy enough to go to church because I sinned. I made a mistake. And so they're beating themselves up even though he already took the beating for them. Think about this, guys. He fulfilled his purpose so that you don't have to worry about sin. So that, I love those words in the Bible, probably the most powerful words in the Bible, or but, so that or but. So that, because you don't have to spend your life worrying about your sin, that doesn't mean we sin and don't worry about our future, right? We, don't, we live sin-free lives, that's our goal, to be sin-free, to be holy as God is holy, right? That's what we're striving for. Because we don't have to worry about it, we can spend the rest of our time on earth being productive for the kingdom. Does that mean you quit your job? No, you just have to figure out how to use your job and leverage it for the kingdom of God. Does that mean you have to sell all your possessions? Well, do it if God tells you to, but don't do it if he doesn't. You learn to leverage your house, learn to leverage your cell phone, leverage Facebook, Leverage your TV, leverage your video games instead of just wasting it in a mindless hour upon hour. I've, I've heard of people losing their jobs because of video games. It's, it's, it's really scary, actually, how we can go into this unrealistic world and waste our time away because we want to try to escape this world. So we dive into Hallmark Channel or, uh, no, I don't want to just put Hallmark Channel down, uh, Seinfeld. Okay, so now I'm pointing my finger at me. Our football, and we were trying to escape the very life that God wants us to be productive in. Think about this. We're doing this as Christians. And if we escape this life, what's the hope of people who are dying and going to hell? So leverage those things for the kingdom of God. It's not that video games are evil. Just, well, some of them may be. I don't know. I don't play them. 
Uh, they may be, I don't know. But leverage them for the kingdom. Invite some other people over and use your video game to share Christ. Or just to get to know them. Guess what? The Bible is so awesome. And your God is so cool that he has given us a manual on how to be productive. You don't have to figure it out. He already, he already breathed life into it. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, you can read it up on the screen. What we want you to do is get used to marking and circling and underlining and writing notes along your Bible. I don't know how you do it in that small of a Bible, Ashley, but good luck. Uh, what's that? Okay, all right, she has a bigger one at home. Um, but we, we're going to look at this. As you turn there, I just want you to know this about John 15. This is a famous passage that records the, the words of Jesus to his disciples. And the spiritual productiveness that he's talking about here, he's talking about bearing fruit. So just as an interesting fact, before we start, just so you know this, there's 27 books of the New Testament. And do you know that producing spiritual fruit, bearing fruit, is mentioned in 24 of them? 24 out of the 27 books, God wants us to know that we are supposed to be productive in bearing fruit. Now, if you want to join the, the Todd White hating bandwagon, you have that choice. But I'm thinking if the Word of God is that way, if it's 24 out of 27 books talks about it, I think it's important, right? Maybe for us to know and learn and do. The Word of God has a lot to say about being spiritually productive. You don't have to believe Todd White. You can hate him if you want. You get to choose that. I wouldn't, by the way. Because hate's not of the Lord, but you can. Because there's a lot of people joining that bandwagon. The Word of God says a lot about what Todd White just said. John 15, let's begin with verse 1. Watch this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, does that feel good? I miss the big crowd. Some, somebody has to say something out loud just to make me feel like I didn't waste my time coming here. It hurts, yeah. While every branch that does bear fruit, he still prunes it. He still cuts off some branches so that it will be even more fruitful. Everybody say even more fruitful because we're going to get back to this and just remember you said that you are already clean because of the world the word i have spoken to you you are already clean you already have jesus remain in me as i also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself you see why video games tv cell phone facebook uh laptop you you, you see how that's just by yourself you're, you're zoning out of the real world no fruit can bear, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus. Jesus, right. Now, if Jerry was here, I would do this, but Jerry's not here. We did a sermon on that, and I did a little dance. Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you. Everybody say it. If you remain in Jesus, if you remain in his word, you will bear much fruit. If you have a relationship with him, if you hang out with him, if you put down all those other things that are keeping you from him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If, everybody say if. Yes. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. 
if, everybody say if, it's really important. It's a big word in the Bible. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Are you, you see in the if part? See, we want to ask whatever. Well, Jesus said, if I ask for that new car, he'll give it to me. Well, what about the if part? Because if you remain in him and in his word, he's going to show you what you should be asking for. And my guess, my guess, my guess is what we're really supposed to be seeking for is the fruits of the Spirit and to know Him and to have the characteristics of God in Christ. So it doesn't mean He won't bless you with a new car, but I'm wondering if we forget about the if and we abuse that Scripture and say, why haven't I gotten that car even though I can't afford it? Because God said if I ask for it, He'll give it to me. I don't think that's what it says. I think He's talking about Fruit, fruit, people, souls, reward in heaven. This is to my Father's glory, not your glory, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right, you ready? So many Christians read that verse because they've heard it so many times and they yawn when reading it. And yet this is the key to them receiving their reward in heaven. Fruit. And it's also the reason that many of them are bored with their walk with the Lord. This is why so many Christians are living in sin today, listen, with no conviction at all. You know why? They are not in the vine. They're not, they have not remained in the vine. Here's another reason why. They're living in sin with no conviction and they're bored and, and they're yawn when they're reading it. You know why? Because they Google God instead of eating and meditating on His Word. They just Google Him. I wonder what God says about that. More time on my cell phone. Listen, this is my heart for you. Because I'm feeling like you're going like, man, this is a heavy message. Why did I come today? I had ice as an excuse, and I still showed up. Why am I listening on Facebook? Maybe some of them shut it off. Because we talked about not watching Facebook. The enemy wants you to be unproductive. The enemy wants you to be unfruitful. So if he's trying to take you out, he definitely doesn't want you to impact other people. Do you get it? Do you get it? That's why he's trying to discourage you and lead you into sin and discouragement and, and deceit. Because he does not want you to fulfill your God-given plan. And he's trying to cut you out so that you don't have an impact on planet Earth. And you just kind of live for yourself and feed your flesh. So I want to show you, real quick, six reasons. Well, we'll do the second part quick. This time we're going to take our time. Six reasons why the subject of spiritual, subject of fruitfulness is found so often in Scripture. It's, it's found so much in Scripture that as believers in Christ, we should completely understand what it means to live a productive, fruitful life. Six reasons why spiritual fruitfulness is important. Ready? Number one in your notes. Fruitfulness is the mark of your genuineness as a believer. Fruitfulness is the mark of your genuineness as a believer. 
Fruitfulness is a mark of whether a person is genuinely born again or not. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus delivered a very stern warning when he said this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize whether they really have me in them or not. By their fruit, you will know whether they're abiding in the vine. In other words, listen to me very carefully. It doesn't matter how many scriptures they can quote. It doesn't matter how good their worship services are or how much money they give or the number of missions trips they've been on. No offense, Africa team. You will know if they are real believers by the fruit they are producing. In your notes. If we possess spiritual life, it will be evident in the works of our lives. This is something the church has gotten away from preaching, works. But it is so scriptural. I can show you over and over and over again that your life is not meant just to wake up and go to work and pay bills and go to sleep again. That your, your spiritual life is evident in the works of your life. So when your coworker is sharing how bad their life is, you don't just walk by the, the hole that they're in, the well that they're in, right? You don't just walk by and go, wow, your life does suck. You're a Christian. So you also don't walk by the hole that they're in and go, man, your life is bad and I'm going to pray for you. What do we do, church? Who's your Becky? We put a ladder down and we don't say, okay, now there's a ladder for you. When you get better, climb out and then we walk away. No, what do we do? What does Light and Life Church do? We climb down in the hole and we stay there as long as they need us to stay there until they have the strength to climb out. Or we carry them out. But a lot of times, they're not ready. So you just have to stay in there with them. You get in their mess. You, you, you contact them. I'm going to go over this in a minute. You contact them at least once a week and say, how's your mess? How's it going? Is it turning to beauty yet? Because it's going to. If you add Jesus to it, it's going to turn to beauty. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you were in that hole at one point and no one walked by your hole? No one offered you a ladder? No, people just said, boy, you're right. That really does stink. Do you know what happens to most cancer patients? Because we're, we're so afraid of the word cancer that when people come down with cancer, all of their friends stop showing up. Because they don't know what to do for you. They don't know how to help you. They can't take it away. They feel helpless. So they just book. Well, that's not the answer. When people need us the most, we just book because we're afraid of a disease. Christians aren't afraid of a disease, right? So if it's cancer, you climb in the hole with them and you walk through that journey with them until they're completed with that journey, right? So that they don't lose hope. We bring hope to the world. Yes. Matthew 12, 33 says, for a tree is known by its fruit. If we possess spiritual life, it will be evident in the works of our lives. Sadly, sadly most of us know people who claim to be Christian, but they're living like the world. By the way, we are not to judge whether anyone is a Christian or not. Let me repeat that. We are not to judge whether someone else is a Christian or not. Because in the long run, a person's life, their fruit will reveal what, whose side they truly are on. 
or what is on the inside of them. But we are not to judge them based on that. Here's an interesting question. Can you be a Christian and never manifest the spiritual fruit in your life? Can you be a Christian and never show or display the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Because manifest means to, you're going to hear that word from now on throughout this sermon, so just know what it means. Manifest means to display, to show, to prove, to demonstrate. Can you be a Christian, don't answer this out loud, and never manifest the fruits of the Spirit in your life? I, I, I personally don't know how that's possible. Especially when I look at John 15, what we just read. Think about it. If Jesus comes to dwell in a life where he did not dwell previously, there's going to be a difference in that life. So I just want you to read this with me. Not read it out loud, but just read it with me in your heart. Our spiritual journey should be a productive, growing, and maturing of letting go of sin and manifesting the character of Jesus and the fruits of the Spirit. That's our spiritual journey of productivity. Growing and maturing, letting go of sin, and manifesting the character of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, how can there not be some kind of transformation if Jesus gets introduced into a life? How can there not be some sort of transformation? So, so you understand, if you've been here long enough, you understand, we don't mean that you need to be perfect right away. In fact, we're striving for perfection. We may never obtain the holiness that Jesus walked in, but we're striving for it. But you need to know, this is a process. This is a journey. You know that your, your, uh, your purpose and your plan is a journey. It t- usually takes time. But over time, our lives are to be conformed. They are to be transformed into the image of Christ. How are you doing on that? Are you better yesterday than you were? Are you more like Christ today than you were yesterday? Think about that. That's what you're supposed to be working on every day. While you go to work, while you pay the bills, while you raise the kids, you're trying to show more Christ to your wife, to your husband, to your kids, to your pastor. Please, please show more Christ to me because I'm going to need it because I'm going to fail you at times. I'm not going to try to fail you, but I'm human. Show Christ to me when I do. Forgive me like I'll forgive you. Because you know what? I've already forgiven you and you haven't even done it yet. But I'm going to forgive you right away because that's what Christ told me to do because that's what he did for me. Hello? That's what forgiveness is. God says, prepare your heart to forgive before it even happens. I'm putting that in my own words, but there's a scripture somewhere that says something like that. Wow. Fruitfulness, number one, is the mark of your genuineness as a believer. Number two in your notes, Fruitfulness is the measure of your walk with the Lord. Fruitfulness is a measure of the Christian's growth and maturity. And in our passage today, Jesus mentions three different levels of fruitfulness that just blew my mind, and it really made me do an evaluation of my life. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? The first level is those who bear fruit. The second level is those who bear more fruit. You can see this in John 15. And then the third level is those who bear What do you think our goal is? Much. Don't forget that. Much. That's a real weird word to say to people, but when they say, what's your purpose for your life? To be much. I'm going to be much for Jesus. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Sounds like mush. Much. I'm going to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. That's my purpose for my life. I didn't hear that, and I don't know if I want to. 
kingdom. Much for the kingdom. Oh, okay. I got to take a drink of water on that one. I don't have the gift of interpretation, Daniel. I'm sorry. You know what's interesting about this? We make this observation about others, don't we? Don't we? Because we think our job as fruit inspectors is just to inspect everybody else's fruit. But what about us? I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about this question. In fact, why don't you just close your eyes and really just think about this. Close your eyes if you're willing to. Think about this question. What level of fruitfulness do people see in me? What level of fruitfulness do people see in me? Okay, you can open your eyes. Number three. Fruitfulness is the motivation behind God's discipline. I told you I'd get back to that pruning thing. Fruitfulness is the motivation behind God's discipline. Verse 2 has a very important principle that will apply to every genuine believer at some point in their lives. Pruning. Right? Pruning. Verse 2 says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? Are you sleeping? Wake up, folks. Why does he prune us? Why does he discipline us? To bear more fruit. In your notes, we want to go from just bearing fruit. We don't... We want... If you want to go from bearing, from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit, then this is what you need to do. Wow. Can you imagine getting to this point in your life where you embrace God's discipline in your life? Oh, there's more. This is also what else you can do if you want to bear much fruit. Respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. What is the Holy Spirit's conviction? You know when you're in a church service and there's an altar call and you know you're supposed to go and you go home? That's not responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Embrace God's discipline in your life. Respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. And then this last one, don't put it up yet. Thank you. Got to wait till I say it. Wait till I say it. He's learning. It's all right. Here's one that believers don't do, but I believe they should do every day throughout their day. Are you ready? Now they're playing with me. How about ask God to prune you? Embrace God's discipline, respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, and ask God every day to prune you. What did David learn to do in Psalm 139? I'm going to read the NIV first before I put up the message. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Think about these words. Search me. Test me. Know me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And then lead me to the way of everlasting. Here's the message version. It puts it in simpler terms. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. You know, some of us quit the faith when God tests us. Isn't that sad? Because really, what is he trying to do when he tests you? He's trying to get you to bear much fruit. To build your faith, bear much fruit. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me on the road to eternal life. Wow, that can be an awesome morning prayer or evening prayer. 
Lord, is there anything that I did today? Josh and Kaylee came over to my house. Did I do anything? Did I say anything that was offensive? Because my joking sometimes can go too far and people get offended. You know, did I do anything? Do I need to go to them and ask for forgiveness? Just search my heart before I go to bed. I want to be able to sleep with peace. Think about that as a prayer at night. Pretty awesome. So what do we do? Do we embrace God's discipline? Do we respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction? Do we ask God to prune us? No, we run. We run from the altar when we know we're supposed to go. We run from the inner healing conference because of fear. I said it out loud. We run away from people who God has put in our life that challenge us to grow. And then we just stay on level one. Here's what Dr. David Jeremiah had to say about this in his book. One of the reasons I believe God does his pruning in us is to keep us from expending our energy in unproductive areas of our life. He redirects our attention when he prunes us. He redirects our attention to investments of our time, talent, and his gift. Where have you heard this before? Time, talents, and treasures. Wow, it isn't Pastor Mark's idea, is it? It's actually the word of God. Huh. Hmm. He redirects our attention to investments of our time and talent and his gifts that bear more fruit. Everybody say more fruit. That's what we want. That's our goal, more fruit. It's not that what we were doing was bad. It's just that it wasn't the best. It's not that video games necessarily will lead you to hell. It's just not what God has the best for you. That's not the best. I would say it's not even producing any kind of fruit. It's not that what we were doing was bad. It's just that it wasn't the best. It wasn't the most fruitful. It wasn't the most fruitful way to spend our time on earth. You guys okay? This is a good word. I hope you receive it well. Here's something else you have to be aware of. The more fruitful you are, especially in the church, the more opportunities there are to do more and more and more and more and more. And if you're not careful, you're going to overextend yourself. And you will become spiritually drained. So remember, with every message, there's balance. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and just go downtown and just scream about how you're going to hell if you don't read your Bible 24 hours a day because you do have bills. You do have a house. You have to work. You have to, you have to, produce, you have to produce earthly things as well. There's balance. Because when you overextend yourself then you become spiritually drained. And your spiritual fruitfulness, honestly, will decrease. It won't grow. Even though you're doing more for the kingdom, your spiritual fruitfulness will decrease. It's a good word for people who are just have too many irons in the, in the fire. Guess what God will do with those Christians? God will come along and he'll prune them. And he'll force them to choose more carefully. And he'll say to them, where are you supposed to be investing your time, your talent, and your finances? Not over there, not over there, not in 15 different places. So the point is this, God uses pruning shears to lop off areas of our life that are not fruitful so that we can become more fruitful. Number four, fruitfulness, number four in your notes, is the method of impacting other people. Fruitfulness is the method of impacting other people. I'm not going to say a lot about this because I think you get it, but listen, fruitful, fruit bearing, fruit bearing is not about us. It's about others. It's to benefit others. So I read about a woman who took a first aid class. I want you to listen closely to this, see if you can get the, the gist behind this story. I read about a woman who took a first aid class in order to be prepared to help others. Well, one day there was a terrible auto accident right in front of her house. 
And the victims were in terrible shape. There was blood everywhere. And just the sight of it made the woman feel faint. But she remembered something she learned in her first aid class. That you're supposed to put your head between your legs if you ever felt faint. So she did and she survived. You see something wrong with that story? Yes. <laughs> That's an example of someone who missed the point of her first aid class. The point of her first aid class was to help others, not herself. We do benefit by following Jesus and abiding in the vine, right? We do, right? But I just, I just thought of this when I was writing this sermon. A believer, I want you to really focus on this. A believer is a branch of the vine, right? We are a branch of Jesus that bears fruit for others to eat. It's not about us. We are a branch of Jesus to bear fruit so that other people can pick and eat and taste and see that God is good. That they can't live their lives without Jesus. Juicy, awesome, ripe, flavorable. You, you, listen, we are to be flavorable Christians. We are to have the fragrance of Christ, the Bible says. We are to be a fruit that people cannot resist. And they come to the Lord because of our lives. Because of our fruit that we are bearing on our branch, right? Verse 3 says, you're already clean. You already have me. Now go bear fruit. So that more fruit will produce more branches. Which will grow more fruit. You know what it's all about? Disciples Multiplication, baby. Number five. Fruitfulness is the manifestation of Christ to the world. Fruitfulness is the manifestation of Christ. Fruitfulness is what shows the world Christ. For three years, Jesus Christ was here on earth in the flesh. Correct? Do you all believe that? I hope you do if you go to this church or if you're a member. But now, where is Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, right? So... How does he continue then to manifest his presence on planet earth? And believers, which hopefully that's you. Through the lives of Christians. We are his voice. We are his wisdom. Hopefully you have a, 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 an apple of wisdom on your branch. Hopefully you have an apple of love that people can pick from when they need it. Especially if you go into their well you better have a very healthy branch when you go down in there. We are, and hopefully you have on your branch, an orange of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We are his touch to the world. And when we're all those things, we are bearing fruit for him. So it makes me sad to think, I, I, I really thought about this, I, it makes me sad to think that if a non-Christian were able to meet Jesus in person, that they might say something like this. So, Jesus, what do you like? In your notes. The world is supposed to know exactly what Jesus is like by knowing us. This beautiful branch of succulent fruit for Jesus. The world is supposed to know exactly what Jesus is like through us. So ask yourself, do people see Jesus when they see me? Ooh, 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 ooh. Good question. Number six, last one, and then we're going to really quick give you some really good meat to end this. So hang in there with me. 
Number six, fruitfulness is the means of glorifying the Father. Now, there's not many verses on how to glorify God. We know that we're supposed to glorify God, but we don't really know how until we come to verse 8 of what we just read today. Verse 8 answers the question. God is glorified when what? Bam. We can do it through worship. We can do it through prayer and hanging out with Him. But verse 8 is one of the only verses that really tell us how to glorify God. By bearing much fruit. When we become a productive Christian disciple of Jesus. Productive is the key word there. Productive disciple for Jesus. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Because when someone gives you a bad report about your child, you don't feel glorified, do you? But... When someone brags about your children, how does that make you feel? Job well done. I feel good. I feel glorified when someone tells me how awesome my child is. Well, if Jesus glorifies the Father, and, when we, and we become more like Jesus, that glorifies the Father as well. He's proud of you. So let me end with this. Let me end with this. Thank you for that amen, because that's pretty powerful, actually. What does it mean to bear fruit? If we've said that bearing fruit glorifies God, then we could ask this question, what does it mean to bear fruit? So I want to really quick now to end this, I want to give you five points that will help you answer that question. You ready to fill in fast? Fruitfulness is character. And character means what you are. Fruitfulness is character. And we could go back and do a whole series on this, but I think you know what I'm talking about. A person who is a Christian should have character traits like God and Jesus. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We should have those. So you ask yourself, am I loving? Am I patient? Am I joyful? Am I becoming more fruitful in my life? The second one is fruitfulness is conduct. It's what you do. Fruitfulness is conduct. Apostle Paul asks a very interesting question in Romans chapter 6 when, he, when he's talking about being a slave to sin. I want you to really check this out. It's from the New King James Version. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So in other words, what kind of fruit did you bear when you were living apart from Christ? Paul's point is that there is bad fruit as well as there is good fruit. And when we are a slave to sin, our conduct is bearing fruit that leads to spiritual death. But then Paul explains the path of living a productive, fruitful life in verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin, will you just say that with me? Having been set free from sin. It's what we're striving for, right? We're not going to condone it. Now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Wow, I didn't even know that verse was in there. Fruit to holiness. If we, if we add the fruit of the Spirit to our lives, that will help us obtain holiness. As much as possible as we can as a human. Right? That's how I read it. The point is this. This is kind of harsh, but 
It's not. Your behavior is proof of your fruit. Uh-oh. Even when you're in the car alone and you're screaming at that driver in front of you. Uh-oh. Anger's anger. Whether someone's around or not. Your behavior is proof of the fruit that you are bearing in your life. Next one. Fruitfulness is offerings. It's what you give. Fruitfulness is offerings. It's what you give. Are you surprised that your financial giving to the Lord is a sign of fruitfulness? When we take of the financial resources that God has given us and we pass them on, we give them to a local church, we give them to a missionary or missions trip, we give them to a person in need, when we do that, we are bearing fruit. Did you know that every life in Africa, every life that our team touches in Africa, if you gave to that trip, you get rewarded for it along with them? Can you imagine that? You don't even have to go to Africa. You can give to it and you get the fruit from it. That's pretty powerful. Money's powerful, right? It's really powerful. Every life that Abigail impacts in Australia, if you're giving towards her God adventure, you are rewarded along with her. Anyone who loves Christ, listen to me, anyone who loves Christ is going to invest not only their time and talent, but also their treasure as well. And this is what I was thinking this morning when we were kind of jokingly, but seriously, challenging the people that didn't make it to church today. We have a way of giving online. And so we said, give online, right? I think that's what we said. I thought of something. What if this week, because numbers are low, what if our bank called us and said, there's a problem because you're giving like tripled this week? And, and we don't know if, or what if we get to a point as a church where the bank can't even handle what's coming in? Can you imagine that? Well, you have to set up another account or something because the, the computer just crashes every Sunday when you do church. Can you imagine? Woo! I, can't, I don't know why the Lord spoke that to me, but maybe it's because it's going to come true. I don't know. Wow. See, we look for reasons not to go to church and then we, then we don't have to give. Are we Christians who look for a reason not to give? An excuse not to give? Or do we look for opportunities to give? The next one is fruitfulness. I only have two more. Hang in there. Fruitfulness is communication. Fruitfulness is what you say. Ooh. This is what Hebrews 13.5 says about the fruit that comes out of your mouth. Remember, angel, the, whatever the thing of her throat, in your, what's in your throat? What's in your throat, right? This is your Thanksgiving verse. If you, wanted, if you wondered why I wasn't doing a Thanksgiving sermon, right here it is, okay? So that, if that makes you feel better, here's your Thanksgiving verse, okay? You feel better? Therefore, by him, Hebrews 13.5, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is what is in your throat. That is the fruit of our lips. Did you even know that was in the Bible? Pretty cool, huh? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If your heart is full of Jesus, the fruit of his presence is going to come out of your mouth in many different ways, but always praise. If your heart is full of Jesus, your mouth will be full of Jesus. So the opposite is true as well. If a person who claims to be a Christian but still uses language that doesn't bring praise to Christ, they better go do a relationship checkup. There may be something off. Last one. And I know, I know you knew I was going to get to this. Fruitfulness is converts. Who you win. Fruitfulness is converts. See, the problem with, the great thing about this message, but the problem with it is, we think this is the only thing that's fruitful, is winning people to the Lord. But I hope you learned more today that it's also your giving, right? It's also what's in your throat. 
So it's a lot of stuff. It's not just winning souls. But I think this is a big one. Are you a soul winner? When is the last time you led someone to Christ? No excuses. Don't throw any excuses at me. I'm just asking. I'm asking myself. I'm not even thinking about anybody personally. I'm thinking about myself. When's the last time? And I'm not talking about at the altar because that's pretty easy. Well, you have a platform to do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about out there. I'm talking about the friends that I have that are unsaved that I led to the Lord in a, in a JCPenney store or, the, or Martin's grocery store. When's the last time you led someone to Christ? If you don't know how, come talk with us and I'll teach you the Who's Your Becky process. We can teach you a lot about that. Here's the thing. Don't just invite them to church so that your pastor can save them. That's not what you're supposed to do. We are all disciples of Christ. We are all to bear the fruitfulness of converts. So here's what someone wrote once. I didn't write it, so bear with me. If you were arrested on charges of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Interesting, isn't it? If you are arrested on charges of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? How would you answer that today? So listen, as we close this out, I just want you to know what Jesus said is true. You can tell a tree by the genuine fruit it bears. A bad tree is ultimately going to bear bad fruit. Even if someone hangs a couple spiritual fake-looking fruits on their tree. It's not going to last. In your notes, the last thing I want you to fill in is this. The key to the fruit is the root. If you go back to John 15, what does it say? Abide. Come on. Some of you know Scripture. Abide in the vine. Come on, you're really struggling. If you want me to end, you've got you to abide in the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus. Jesus said, if you remain, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Let's stand. We're going to say another prayer if you're willing to if you want to uh, place your hand on your heart and then we're just going to repeat a prayer that i believe god gave me and we're just going to make this real in our lives i'm going to pray it with you and we're going to believe that when we leave here today we're going to go from bearing fruit to bearing more fruit and then eventually we're going to bear much fruit so that when we get to heaven, we can, when we hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, we will understand that we didn't waste our time on Facebook and TV and video games and cell phones, that we took advantage of the time, the short vapor, the vapor. You know, have you ever, you ever breathed it when it's really cold out? And, that, and it, it, like sometimes I get really frustrated in my deer stand because I'm trying to figure out which way my odor is going. And I forgot my baby powder thing or the little powder thing that you can just squirt and you can see it. And that actually lasts quite a while. But when I breathe, sometimes it's frustrating because my breath goes so quickly that I can't really tell which way it's going. That's what life is. It's really not as long as you think it is. Eternity is what's long. And I, as your pastor, just want you to have something to offer to Jesus. Not just something. A whole bunch of fruit. Much fruit. Ready? God, God. While, I'm here on earth, while I'm here on earth, 
Help me not to just coast through life. Help me to live a productive life that glorifies you. Help me to remain in you so that I can produce much fruit for your kingdom. Help me to take on the character of Christ. Change my behaviors to reflect that I'm a slave for you. Help me to be a better giver and communicator of your fruits to the world so that my fruitful life will attract others into a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.